I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello Glowworms and welcome to this, the 10th and final episode of Season 1 of The Vanity Project with me, Vanity Von Glow. Over the past nine weeks we have welcomed guests from a variety of professions and workplaces, representatives from the House of Commons, from national broadcast media, soaps, activism and notable homosexuals too. One of the highlights for our listeners seems to have been the Queen's Corner segment, where me and my nightlife pals pick over the themes of the main guest conversation. And so for our final episode of season one, I welcome back three of London's favourite drag queens. We have Bunny Galore, the queen of the cult movies, who you can catch on the horror channel and beyond, analysing the campy flicks of the past. Candy Heels, the Hungarian makeup artiste extraordinaire, who joins me weekly in London at my brunch shows at Zebrano and Soho. And Lady Lloyd, who's also with me um, at those shows most weeks. She was once a fashion muse and runway model for Vivian Westwood, but now she's best known as the DJ who plays Ain't It Funny by Jennifer Lopez three times in any given night. Don't forget that the Glasgow International Comedy Festival takes place in March, so if you're in Scotland, you should know that we are recording a live podcast event there on the 18th. It will be The Vanity Project live featuring special guests Scott Agnew, uh, who is a, I've, I've known this guy since I was like 17 years old in Glasgow. He was Scottish Comedian of the Year um, back in the day and is hilarious and I'm looking forward to catching up with him. I haven't seen him since before the pandemic, I dare say. Also with Alice Rabbit, one of my favourite drag queens, period, but definitely uh, one of my favourites from Scotland. She does fabulous shows and basically built the scene for the young queens there in Edinburgh. And also MP Alison Thulis of the SNP will be joining us, Parliamentary Business Permitting. These episodes of the podcast have been produced by Sparkling Studios in Glasgow, so I'd like to thank them for suggesting the idea to me in the first place and for helping organise season one of The Vanity Project. It has been great fun. And speaking of fun, here we have our season closer, a bumper edition of Queen's Corner. Welcome one and all to a very bumper edition of Queen's Corner to round out the whole season of The Vanity Project with me, Vanity Von Glow. I am joined today by some of my favourites and uh, one of my least favourites. I'll leave it to you all to decide who's who. We have the lovely Bunny Galore. Hello, darlings. Lovely to see you, Vanity. Lovely to see you, Bunny. We have Candy Heels. Hello, you ugly cross-dressers. How are you? <laughs> and we have Lady Lloyd. Lady Lloyd is cat. Hello. I am, cross-dressers. I am indeed cross-dressing. Do you want yeah, me to rephrase fair, that? A fair no. depiction. 
So as for Harpies, um, I thought we could reflect on this season of the Vanity Project, because as you know, it's consumed a lot of my time to have not just one conversation every week, but then to have a conversation with a queen at the end of it about the podcast. Um, and so I'm a bit exhausted, but here we are. And there are some interesting points and, and things bubbled up during the course of the 10 episodes. So I think I'll just get stuck right in. All the way back in our first week, we had Peter Tatchell joining us as the guest, and Lloyd and I talked about him at the time. So I'll put this to Bunny and to Candy. One of the things that we reflected on was whether or not we should be forgiving to those who have been homophobic in the past, because we all know there are people who've been homophobic in the recent past. Bunny, what's your thoughts? It's weird, isn't it? I have a level of unforgiveness. I'm a Scorpio and I'm an only child. I never forget and I never forgive. <laughs> However, oh, wow. <laughs> but publicly, um, I think if somebody has had been on a journey and they've started from a point of ignorance and they've got to a point of enlightenment, then of course I would forgive them because they've been on that journey and they've realised they're wrong. Um, there's people like, uh, is it, was it Gary Bushell that used to write for The Sun back in the 80s? And I, I look back on his articles of such horrific homophobia at the time, and I think that is unforgivable. And I bumped into him at a charity event at the Canterbury Theatre Marlowe, the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury, sorry. Um, he was there with Jim Davison, of all people. And I never thought I'd find myself in a, in a green room with Jim Davison in full makeup. And uh, but it was actually quite nice at the time. But it was one of the not Gary Bushell, Jim Davison was. Um, but I wanted to literally physically punch Gary Bushell. It's funny, isn't it? We all have those people that I think are unforgivable, and I think he's probably on my list of unforgivable. Gosh, that, no, that's well they should my do. Time, they should do a new on, show, Mike. The Unforgivable, with Bunny Galore, like the Undateables. <laughs> <laughs> they're, un <laughs> they're undateable too, I suppose. These people. <laughs> Well, that's exactly. right. Or shouldn't what about be you, Candy? Candy, are you a vengeful bitch too? <laughs> well, I'm just like Bunny. I'm also a Scorpio, so uh, I I think like I do hold grudges, but I like to I like to understand people and and uh, if they are willing to if they are open to be educated, if they're willing to change, that's a different thing. But I don't know. Most of these homophobes, I, they don't seem to want to change if, if there's not like a like an experience in their lives when they're actually facing something that changes their opinion some something you know something meaningful if you, Bunny, if, if you know what i'm talking when you were talking Bunny, about this this gary bustle who i'm unfamiliar with but and um, you know people love to pull up that boris johnson quote where he said that gays were a bunch of tank top <laughs> Well, I always laugh a bit because I'm like, well, I love to wear a tank top. And, <laughs> and I find I, I find it to be, I understand why some people find it offensive. I find it kind of inoffensive. And also that was like 20 years ago. So, and you know, I don't think our prime minister is homophobic, really. I think there's so many things to pull him up for. I don't well, think in 2022, that's one of them. So I wonder, I mean, I don't know, maybe this, this Gary Bustle guy could be a totally different tone of journalist or maybe the same and worse. I don't know. Yes, he was a, he wrote a column uh, in, I think he was the son, and he, he was, all, I wonder what's happened to him, actually, now he's sprung to my mind, because I've never heard of him since, I, I guess he's still alive, and if so, he's keeping a very low profile, 
uh, for very good reasons, probably. But I'd be interested to see where it is now. And obviously interested to see what his opinion. I'd be fascinated to uh, see what his opinion is now. Do I think people should be forgiven? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a really good example of, of if obviously they can be forgiven for past sins if they if they want to be forgiven, I guess. What were you thinking, Lloyd? Like, um, I don't know if you know the, the Megan Phelps, you know, who was part of the, um, you know, that church that uh, Louis Theroux did the show on. What were they called? You know. Yes, the picket ones that used to picket the funerals. Yes. And she was, I think she, he did the first uh, first film with her and she was like, Home, homosexuals must die, they're disgusting, this, that and the other. And now she's quite vocal. She goes, uh, she's, yeah. she's left the church, she's disowned her family. And she seems like quite a lovely lady. Funnily enough, Lloyd, she's actually on my list of people to interview for mm, the second season. A very interesting I story. Think, I think it is interesting. Like, um, it's not everyone has the stomach for it. And I was talking mm. to Andrew Doyle on the podcast last week about like de-radicalizing radicals, because that's not a job for for a drag queen. That's a job for a social worker. But you know, I think I think that Megan Phelps Roper, if she would come on, I'd be up for talking to her because what mm. a, what a journey to go on from kind of hate to love. But uh-huh. also, do do we know what happened in in her life that made this change? Because some something well, Candy, big must you'll need to read her book <laughs> now. Next up, we had the fabulous Don Butler who came on, which was great because she is a Labour MP. So somebody from, uh, you know, I've voted Labour in almost all the elections of my life. Don't live in her constituency, but when we're thinking about who'd be a good MP, she's so like present and chatty and quite like, you know how like MPs often seem quite like clerical and managerial and stuffy? Well, she's not that. She's so chilled out. In fact, she even implied, um, you know, that half the cabinet um, or what did she, I think she implied that the sniffer dogs looking for drugs in Westminster took a very keen interest in Boris Johnson's trousers. So I wondered, a question for all three of you, would you vote for a, a, a candidate in an election who had done drugs before? Well, I think everybody's like, we're people. We, we, we do things. And what's happening in your private life, it doesn't necessarily you know, what, what's happening in your professional life. You don't bring that into it. And then maybe if you've done that before, you know what it is. So when you're about to make a decision about things like, for example, legalizing certain drugs, then you, you actually know, you, you have a knowledge of it and an experience. And I'd be, it's a big word, but I'd be forgiving with that. Lady Lloyd, what's your take? We work in nightclubs. People are off the <laughs> around us all the time. No, Did no, no. We've, we've never seen or sniffed a drug, darling. We need those dogs. Um, well, I think with politicians that we're, we're cutting off so many people because of people's history, you know, that could could bring about such real great things. Even even people that um, candidates that, that wouldn't get that far, even to just, you know, throw their hat in the ring. Lots of people we know would be amazing politicians and uh, they might have said things on Twitter 10 years ago. They might have been known as a party, fabulous party person. And it's almost like they could not even take that step. So I think we need to remove, you know, all of that sort of outrage over things that so many people partake in so that we can get a variety of people rising to Parliament. That makes sense. Such as yourself, Vanity, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I hear David Robson's on the rise. That's right. David Robson, who was in Queen's Corner a few weeks ago, he's going to be a Labour councillor if all things go well. 
Um, but that's what we want. Like, I want people who, you know, um, who are from real life as a big place. It's not just people that went to work in the bank and, and you know, or, or have been school teachers. Like, there's so many wide varieties of professions and people who've had journeys and actually had struggles. I want to see people in elected politics who've yeah. faced some of the struggles their constituents are facing. Bunny, have you anything for us on that one? We can move on to the next question, if so, if not. Well, uh, okay, so his, it, you, would you like my real answer to that question? Um, yeah, historically, my, historically uh, I, I've always been extremely anti-drugs, um, really quite violently against it. But I think that came from, probably from my parents and being like, you know, white middle class and quite sort of rigid in that way. And uh, in an era, perhaps when it wasn't uh, ha quite happening yet, it hadn't really become mainstream until perhaps the 90s, the club scene then. And so for me, I was everything, I was very, very, very tightly anti it. Until possibly the last few years where I've suddenly realised what all you guys have just said that I, you know, I would do I think a politician should be, should be a real person that has experienced all of life and not have that one-sided view. So now I think my attitude has changed as much as it's changed on open relationships, uh, whether before I was very anti that because I had this heteronormative, you know, sort of marriage um, sort of archetype in my head. Now my attitude has changed. I think that comes from 2020 and, you know, reassessing everything in my life, really. Lady Lloyd, that reminds me of that Shania Twain lyric that, that you like. Oh, life's about to get good. Things I always thought were strange aren't that strange at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great lyric. Yeah, both um, are great. That, I love that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that, again, that's you know also about forgiveness. People really can sort of flip right over uh, and can change your whole perspective. Yeah. Um, when we had Peter Cry Cry sorry Peter Crycant on the podcast, and that was in week three, we were focusing on drug interventions. It's such a serious topic, so I was really, I was quite nervous about having that conversation because you want to pay pay your respects to the subject, but also it's hard for me to talk about things without making a joke. Um, basically, <laughs> he set up a drugs consumption van in Glasgow, which is a place that you know intravenous users can use safely, because mm -hmm. what you don't want is people injecting; they're going to inject somewhere. You don't want them to do it outside a you know a public toilet or in a public toilet or where, where there's kids and there's needles coming out and all that. Um, and that type of intervention that like treats doesn't criminalize the user because it accepts that there's there are deep seated issues when someone's by the time someone's addicted to heroin, the problems aren't just heroin, you know, there's and all the effects oh, that happen to their life. after. Oh, that definitely. Yeah. I've, I've been like working in a drug rehab it. for for years and I was working in therapy and probably making people feel ashamed about it or that that's they're not going to come for help if if they're if they feel that way. Exactly, exactly. Was that candy? Was that in Hungary or in the UK? Yeah. Your background was that. It, it was in Hungary, yes. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I wonder what um, Scotland are. They're not the leading nation in this type of care because, like Denmark, I think, and some some places in the states have done it, but um, or maybe not the states. Um, but yeah, I wonder, like, what I think people are looking at to Scotland to see if this goes well there. Maybe in other countries it could work as well for just improving the outcomes for like the sort of general people living in cities and stuff like that you know <clears throat> but we'll keep our eyes on that particular subject um we had in our next week the wonderful rebecca de havilland who i think all yes. of us know i know uh, lloyd you've known her for 100 years we love rebecca 
We do. We really we do. We love Rebecca. And indeed, I have known her for 100 years, for she is 100 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, what stands out about Rebecca is that she's one of those people who's just like, she's been around for, I mean, you know, she's lived in, in, a, in, a, in London on and off longer than I've been alive. And she's had, you know, ups and downs, marriages, drugs, a sex change, all of the, you know, HIV, all these tumultuous events in her life. We know a lot of people, though, on the scene who have had these colourful lives. And I wondered maybe if you guys could have a think. Who are your favourites? You know, <laughs> or who are your least favourites? Lady Lloyd, you're never short of a least favourite. Oh, where to start? Where to start? You like yeah, Philip I mean, Salon? I do. Well, yeah. Philip Philip Salon is a complete love hate. Yeah, um, I, I have a lot of time for him because he is such an individual. You know. There's nobody quite like him that you've ever seen wandering the streets. And that is all he does is wander the streets. I don't think he even goes inside the nightclub <laughs> anymore. <laughs> he wanders the streets in a rag with no shoes on. And funnily enough, I did go to a party with him just recently and they wouldn't let him in because he hadn't bought a pair of shoes. She was barefoot. Does he never wear shoes? Don't know. It's just Jesus or something. He was like a, a legendary <laughs> club promoter back in when? The 90s? Uh-huh. In, no, in the 80s, the mud club, really, that... Uh, you know, Boy George and Duran Duran and all that sort of were discovered in. Um, and yeah, he's just notoriously been around the scene as a, as a figure for a long, long time. Yeah, he's fabulous. He's probably like one of the most fabulous people I've ever met. It, what about because you? he's met just so individual. Fabulous. Bunny, you've met some fabulous people and you work in theatre. In fact, even now I can see you're in the theatre. I can see the wigs and everything behind you. Yes, I'm uh, um, actually the Trafalgar Theatre, which, believe it or not, is right next to number 10, <laughs> which oh, is, is. Yeah, it's, it, which is very strange on a daily basis to think that we're this close. And we keep on getting electric, uh, um, static electric, and I keep on thinking, is there like an alien spacecraft buried underneath the ground? What's going on? Why is that happening? Um, I mean, I <laughs> Isn't that weird, though? It's, I, th I do think something's happening underground. So out of all the people in Clubland I've ever met, if you're talking about Clubland, I, well, I hate to say it, but Lady Lloyd is my hero. Wow. Who? Sorry, who again? Thank you so much. Lady well, Lloyd. Lloyd. Oh, sorry. Not you. No, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so out of everybody in club, then I, I, it's my personal hero, Lady Lloyd, for sure, because I've, uh, she's everything I've always wanted to be, a natural blonde, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and rock and roll, and live vivaciously and colourfully, and done all the things I wish I'd done, which is kind of, I'm, Bunny Galore is a character that I do on stage and on screen, but Lady Lloyd is a real living, human, breathing, you know, so everyday person and that's why i, yeah. I, I think uh, lloyd uh, and he it's obviously very different i can't turn inside. it off <laughs> I know. like an art that, installation um, oh that's yes. very kind thank you my darling i think lady lloyd should be on the fourth prince in trafalgar square just dancing forever yes she should. come on then candy girl who's your well, who's your favorite if, character if, from if, if we time? look at um clubland and uh very similar thing happened to um, Lady Lloyd. When I say happened, you made it happen. Is um, he's not my friend or anything, but I I've seen what happened to um, Fat Tony, for example, that he was struggling with the addiction 
and everything. And he's a, he's around for 200 years himself as well. And right. um, I, I think he, he, he turned his life around and he's sort of an advocate even for just mental health. He always says, well, I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is that if anybody struggles with mental health, they can always turn to him and talk to him about it, which is really nice. And also, um, he's, he's one of my favorite people on Instagram with these, with these memes just giving me life every single day. He's, he's just spreading joy with it, and I love it. There's a lot of people who, like and in, in nightlife, because of excess and partying and late nights and all that stuff, if you have a community where there aren't those people who are sort of working on their sobriety in quite a public way, then it feels very out of balance because the alternative where there aren't those people you can reach out to, the alternative is like a lot of premature death or a lot of like people wasting their lives. So like, mm. if you want to be in clubs and stuff and that's where you work and you want to be there for a long time, you probably do have to clean up your act, right? Because you can't, you can't run on <laughs> vodka alone <laughs> forever anyway. Well, just sounds Tasty Tim. Yeah, Tasty Tim. Well, she enjoys a drink, doesn't she? She does indeed. She does indeed. Do you know who I was just thinking? I wasn't planning to answer that question I pitched to you, but do you know who I love from the scene? Because <laughs> she just made me laugh today. It's Danny St. James, who's a trans activist, for anyone that doesn't know listening, who is just very, she's really good fun, but she's quite a good voice of reason. And I saw that people were having a go at Adele because Adele had said at the Brits that she loves being a woman. And some people were getting all up in arms saying, does that mean she's a turf? Is she being trans exclusionary? Oh my God. People taking yeah, it to a different level. Like, I know, and Danny, who's trans herself on Twitter, was just like, like, if you think Adele is the villain of the piece, like Adele obviously is like part of the family, you know, when it comes to the LGBTQIA+, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We had other guests on who are very fabulous. We had Sadie Sinner, who's one of my good friends, and I've been really, I've known her for years and years. Um, she has the Cocoa Butter Club, which is obviously a night in London, well, and around the UK, that is put on that showcases performers, cabaret stars, who are uh, people of color. All four of us are white, so we won't be performing at the Cocoa Butter Club, but if you ever go and see the show, <laughs> it, is, it is a brilliant show. You actually, it makes you want to be in it. You're like, obviously, <laughs> What you can't just colonize the cocoa butter club. It's about watching all of these fabulous talents. But have you guys been? Have you seen how good it is? I haven't. No. Oh my god! It's honestly, it's like it's one of the best cabarets. It's very, very energetic. The crowd really get into it. It's like it's very well, well, maybe we should we should organize something and go. You know, go together, see it. Yes, yes. definitely. Let's go because you're selling it. Well, that's the biggest compliment you can give Vanity is the fact that if you uh, want to be part of it or any of us want to be part of it that means they're doing a good job they must yeah. be fantastic yeah the camaraderie like that's the thing so you know lloyd and candy and i are at brunch every saturday so i've been doing the brunch at zabrano in soho anyone listening can get tickets online it's this drag brunchette at zabrano soho and every saturday afternoon you know candy does uh, i do my songs bring on candy candy does her songs then we bring on lloyd and at the end the three of us like party with the audience so we're and singing, i love like, that part it's just yeah, so and, much fun and we do we sing like some clubland hits and we're like dancing away and holding the mics in the middle of the dance floor singing and dancing with everyone and i think people the reason that they get up and like really get into it is 
they want to like join the gang. It's fun, yeah. You know, and that's what you want. You want the audience to feel like, oh, I want to join in. I want to be part of this. I think it's it's on energy what they, you know, they pick up on and, and want to be a part of the fun, of course. And it makes it more fun for even for us. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you were doing that show, girls. I'd have to come along. That sounds amazing. I you must. Want to yes. see the- when, yes. when Lady Lloyd comes dancing into Man I Feel Like a Woman, that's when all bets are off. <laughs> I know. They all think that I'm still drunk from the night before, even though I don't partake in alcohol anymore. It's the sunglasses, dear. <laughs> I know. Sunglasses. It is a very, very interesting atmosphere. <laughs> I always finish when we finish the show and we go backstage to like catch our breath. I always feel like I've just been like clubbing, you know, even mm-hmm. that bit of the show's only ha- the 20 minutes, half an hour, that bit at the end, but it's so much fun. Oh, it's um, exhausting. Yeah. It but is strange saying... actually, the brunch things. Uh, sorry, Vanity. It was very strange, the uh, the brunch uh, phenomenon, isn't it? Post mm. the drag race of uh, Tidal Wave. I, I I got caught up in it myself like last show. I'm having a whale of a time. But it is unlike, we're, so, we're creatures of the night, quite literally. So we're so used to doing club stuff. And then to suddenly transfer all that sort of energy and performance skills into a, like a 11 o'clock in the morning thing is quite, oh, hello. It's it's quite it a is. shock to the system. And there, brunch, but the energy of the audience bring you up quite a lot. Yeah, our brunch starts at, we don't go on stage till 2 p.m. So actually it's, it's not too bad. I start my face at like half 10, so it's not too bad. Um, I was thinking there about Lavoie, who was on um, on the podcast as well. And one thing she said was that she doesn't really have that many drag queen friends. And well, she, she can't be mine. <laughs> she can't be yours. Well, but Lloyd, like, because you you and I, I feel like we're, we have a lot of friends who are drag queens. And Candy, you do too. Yeah. Candy, what's your story with them? I mean, are, are drag like- queens too kooky? What, what's the deal? So I, I historically, again, I never used to be because I was on the burlesque cabaret scene and I was the only drag queen quite intentionally. Um, and then I actually, Lavoie, I remember from, she used to cover me when I was at Madame Jojo's for all of about two months back in 2006. And then I remember her come, coming in to try to come, well, trying to come into the, the Wab Wab Club then. So I've known her for de- decades. But over the years, I obviously I met you, Valentine. I can't remember where we met and Lloyd, I've, and Candy, I've both met you, I think, probably on the scene. But now, in the last few years, suddenly I have a lot more drag queen friends. Obviously, Kitty Scott Claws and Ophelia Love and, and, and Bones and Flesh now as well. So it's I think myself as grandma to all these uh, young drag kids. Yeah, well, everyone does drag now. I mean, it's like if you're if you're a little gay boy and you're a bit camp and you're 18 years old, then you like literally you feel like all of them us. It's a must. Yeah, you have to must. Do this journey. What do you well, think? Yes, well, about drag friends, like, I have a couple of drag friends, but I still feel a lot of like insecurities from others, and also in the last couple of months, thanks to you guys as as well, that I'm I'm being booked more and more, and I can actually feel that um, that bad energy from them that they don't really like that they don't like uh, it that I'm, I'm getting somewhere they liked me until yeah. i was just standing around that heaven doing nothing in fabulous frocks and now that i'm like doing the same thing as they doing they don't really like it 
So I, I do. Why have... do you think that is, Candy? Sorry to interrupt. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just jealousy that we all get from different? Mm, I guess. I guess so. Or because there's only a finite amount of gigs, isn't there? I suppose. And uh, I think we're all, all of us, even on this podcast, we're all gloriously different, aren't we? So I don't think we're any threat. I always think that yes, if you're the kind of you're, if you're a musical theatre singer, then you know, you're, therefore, you're going to be jealous of musical theatre. Vanity is a fantastic singer, better than I would ever be on stage. So why would I feel jealous of that? And I, th- I like, I really have enjoyed seeing what's happening with you lately, Candy, and seeing the Thank world you. kind of catch up to your, uh, not that you weren't that before, but you, you're bringing out a side of you and showing it to the to everybody that was always there. And it's, I, I hate the word elevated, but it's not elevated. It's just like you're becoming what you should be and showing, showing that to everybody. So well done, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you. And in my head, I, I love doing drag. I love to have fun with it. And I love when everybody else around me has fun with it. Mm. And that that's how I see it. So when this jealousy and insecurities coming into it, I'm just, I, I don't like it. It's a very serious business, isn't it now? Mm. I mean, I mean, we have drag queens that have never performed anywhere that are flogging their merch on Instagram, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's become a real, it's become a real business. And then you get the people that have that business head. I've got, you know, I'm okay doing my deals, but I don't have a particularly very good business head. You know, mm. I'm much more, I suppose, not even creative, but just, you know, do my thing. Well, Whereas it really has taken you're, that you're, turn you're a proper you're a proper artist, darling. That's why. That's when I think when you're when you're that. I, I I don't think my business head is that great either. Particularly though, I have a kind of a brand because of the horror film stuff. But that right. by default, really. Um, but I don't really galvanize, and I don't really have t-shirts. Mm. I I think we all probably I feel should. Like, but... Yeah, I feel like that does that takes over from the sort of uh, creativity, and it becomes about you know, it really does become about work and not the work as in the creative part of the work just um people sort of promoting themselves i suppose yes I, I promoting themselves and, uh, sorry girls yeah no, promoting no, themselves no. and also i think it's what what candy said about being 18 and slightly slightly camp and wanting to do it it is kind of an escape away from being when they can't find themselves as uh, they feel invalidated as a as a, a gay man to escape into a character is very hedonistic and you can sign the sell the product and rather than yourself it's mm. quite i think that's the addictive part and we've all accidentally stumbled across that many years ago but we never monetized it like that perhaps we should have done i don't know yeah <laughs> i think we should have. yes what what we're saying is that <laughs> drag queens are selfish insecure self-promoting <laughs> narcissists <laughs> who would have thought and we're oh, we are the things. evil four, darling. The evil we're, four. We're the we're the well-adjusted ones, are we? Um, yes, yes, we are. I think. <laughs> That's terrifying in itself. Oh my word! <laughs> so some some of the guests on. I'm I'm really happy with the people who've come on this podcast. I think we've tried to keep it nice and balanced and varied, and everyone's been a really good sport. Um, you know, Rob Mallard from Coronation Street. That was so nice of him to come on because he's on a big show, and we got a bit of press for that. Obviously, no guest garnered more attention than Lorreen Kelly, who was on just a couple of weeks ago. And she can talk the hind legs off a donkey. We do love Lorraine. And I love her. It was good. 
it's quite legitimizing, you know, when you're trying to get people to listen and, and hopefully this podcast develops and that I grow as we do it. But having her come on in series one was like quite a coup. I wondered who would be your dream podcast guests, each of you. So maybe if you can give me one person who you would love to talk to um, if you were interviewing people on a podcast. So let's see, Bunny, would you like to go first? Uh, well, that's an easy one for me. Um, as everybody knows, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan and the, the ultimate guest for that would be Tom Baker, the guy that played the fourth Doctor in the 70s, mm. um, because he is an actor that's been in film and TV, but also more infamously is Backcrack Crazy and in a the most glorious theatrical way and is the biggest storyteller. So you would just have to go, and now Tom Baker, press record, and let him speak because he would, if, if you've read the biographies or listened to the audio book of his biography, it, it's, it's spellbinding the stories he comes out with. So that would be my, my ultimate, I think, uh, podcast uh, pop culture uh, guest, I think. Well, I've never heard of him, so I'd like to hear that interview, Bunny. Oh, he's great. He's the one with the multicolored scarf and the multicolored scarf guy. And um, he was the voice uh, on. He's the voice on Little Britain, isn't he? That introduces. Mm, yes, yes. Oh no! Yes, way. Oh, we're okay. going to Marjorie Dawes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I know him from that. Yeah. Lloyd, who would you? Yeah, so, so, who's your dream podcast guest, dead or alive? It can be anyone. Mine. Yeah. Um. Well, sadly. Not Shania, as some may be expecting, because she is supremely boring. Uh, oh. so I... It's not a catabox, <laughs> is she? <laughs> no, she's not. She's got nada to say. Um, I suppose I would say Vivian Westwood, who no. really is my favourite person of all time and the most interesting person I've ever met, the most talkative person I've ever met, the most opinionated person I've ever met, uh, the most insane person I've ever met. Um, and I, I just already know I've her. spent I know I know and I've spent a lot of time with her but I need more and more and more I just I could listen to her all day I just I love everything that stumbles out of her mouth it sounds it's like of like interest to, to me to get another free outfit from Vivian <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that will be such an iconic interview please set that up vanity I want to hear Lloyd oh, and Vivian Westwood. actually yeah you should try and get Vivian she'd probably do do a podcast podcast she's, I probably she's need done... to do something outrageous to get her attention like I don't know like rescue a fucking cow from the slaughterhouse and ride it to her office or something well we need to free she's Julian like Assange first we need to free Julian Assange we need That's to free fine. Julian otherwise Anderson. because and, uh, yeah, yeah you won't Anderson's get her speaking about, about anything else but you love her too you love Pammy I love Pammy I absolutely Pammy. love Pammy I think Pamela Anderson's one of the, the best, the best people to ever do it, you know, just everything about her is incredible. Uh, I'd be very interested, yeah, to, to sit down and chat with her. I did meet her. She's the only person I've ever met. I've met a lot of people that I admire. I've met a lot of people that I particularly don't admire, but are huge celebrities. Um, and she's the only one that I, I could not even ask for like a photograph or speak to. I just sort of sat next to her and giggled and looked at her and ran away it was very really weird <laughs> it was really weird I, was, I just couldn't couldn't cope um yeah I really I really do admire Pamela Anderson a lot have we seen there's a new tv series they they made mm -hmm. out like the whole scandal mm -hmm. of uh Tommy Lee and, and Pamela so mm -hmm. I can watch it it's a bit odd is it good 
<laughs> well, watch it, girl. If you if you like, um, it's it's nice. Oh, I, I'm scenes like watch it. there are talking penises in it and everything. It's it's oh, it, it's it's and, really. And what are, and what are the talking penises saying, Candy Hills? Well, you will see because I hear you. them all the time when I. <laughs> I hear them all the time. Oh, you see, I'm I'm here waiting for them come and talk to me, and they all go talk to you. <laughs> That's my drama. <laughs> Candy, Candy, assuming a talking penis wouldn't be your first guest, um, who, would you, who would you like to have a sit down with if you could have a well, podcast with um, anyone in the world, dead or alive? All right. Uh, well, I would, I would probably love to sit down and talk to Louise Hay. She's a motivational speaker. She um, passed away a couple of years ago, but um, back then I was, I was looking for for answers to improve my life and for my depression and everything. And, uh, and I found her videos online and uh, she just explains these huge things in life, mostly about how to love yourself because that's what I was looking for. And mm. uh, she, she just talks about it in a very extremely simple way um, th that it's just mind blowing. It's not easy to relearn and and practice but they are very very simple things these are things we we knew as a child but as we grew and socialized and everything we relearned things that that makes us not love our, ourselves and mm -hmm. and with her message and her her talks and everything I, I would say i saved my life with those i'm not saying she saved my life because obviously I did the work, but with everything she said, and I'm 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 forever grateful for that. Yeah. Oh well, wonderful. I mean, this is the thing. Is like, um, I feel like you know maybe it's because um, for me, Candy and Lloyd are all about the same age. Maybe we are getting to an age where you start to awaken to like how to look after yourself. Do you have? I didn't do that in my twenties. Like, yeah, same. None of us did. Time, but at enormous cost, like to just like health, wellness, mental balance. I wasn't always very um, careful with like other people's feelings either. And, you know, yeah, same. And it's like you start to get to an age where you just, um, I don't know, you realize that things can be better than they are. And there's a different way to do things. And yet you can do the different way. We've got some like ideas for who we want to have on next season. Um, I like could not believe I can tell you that, um, you know, one of my heroes is the feminist writer Camille Paglia, who, um, who I asked if she would come on and to my like absolute delight, she actually replied and like we're in touch. She, she says that her publisher said no. She said no. Well, <laughs> said no. well she said her publishers don't want her to do any interviews because she doesn't have a book out. So it's like if she has a book, maybe that would oh. be the window for it. Um, I would love to talk to her. I mean, she's so explosive in her ideas, and um, and it also aside from her ideas, it's in her writing. She has such a savage wit, and I love that. Like, I really rigorous ideas presented hilariously. Like, you can have a laugh just reading her her work. Can I that ask? Um, it, I mean, I I really admire her as well, um, and like to listen to her. She's very very interesting. Can I ask how you how you deal with uh, if you were to platform her? on your podcast as uh, some say she is a transphobe oh, or she has transphobic opinions. What do you feel about that and how 
how the people obviously I know you very well. Oh. I know you're not a trans. Oh, she should be cancelled again. Well, well, I don't I don't think Camille Paglia really gets tarred with the transphobic brush particularly. She actually identifies herself as transgender um and as a lesbian, but um, for example, Jermaine Greer, people oh, would shit. come for, and I would love to talk to Jermaine Greer. Look, I know Jermaine Greer okay. has fallen on foul mm. of a certain grip, I, and I totally understand that people find what she said offensive. But she is also still a brilliant mind and one of the great thinkers of the past yeah. century. Like, who the hell am I to not want to have a conversation with Jermaine Greer? I would love yeah. to have a conversation with Jermaine Greer, um, but could have that in a way where it's boundaried and where you say, look, um, you know, uh, just uh, I, ev anyone who's worth talking to has has who has said and done upsetting things, um, and it's your call to decide whether or not you can still have a productive conversation with them about other stuff. But yeah, God, I'd love. I mean, Jermaine Greer talking about like uh, er erotic art and all these different. I mean, like literally fascinating. And as a man, because that's what a drag queen is. Um, as a man, I'd be so interested to talk to like one of the main driving intellects of feminism because like that's just like i mean that's like going to the source in a way of of one whole wave of feminism and she also is so witty in her writing like hilarious i but, you know, would love to see that i think that will be a genius interview because it's almost uh although uh some of her views aren't so uh, popular now and understandably just for that you're right just to get that essence of what was happening at that period in time that she can speak of so eloquently I think that would be delicious to hear so I think that's a great idea and you know you've just made me think there about who I also would love but who I don't know if we've asked because like we're just we are shooting big we're like fully on asking people who we do not expect to say yes like I would love to talk to Barry Humphreys, who is the man uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I would literally... Yeah, but actually, that would be a great idea because no one's ever really done an actual interview with him. Yeah. And quite a truthful interview. Hysterical, as yes. he was on this morning. Um, I don't think he'll say yes. He's, 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 he's so... Um, I don't think, I think he, he wouldn't do something, he would be like, oh, that's a silly little thing. It's not big enough. He doesn't want to waste his time. But also you never bloody know. That's why we ask people. And that's why we ask like Lorraine. And when she said yes, it's because I think I'm Scottish and she's Scottish yeah. and she loves yeah. drag and she just wanted to come and have a laugh. So you, you mm -hmm. should never count yourself out from that somebody might mm -hmm. want to do something. It's definitely worth a try. Yes, I think it's worth asking. I, I think I, I think if he knew you personally, it would be different, perhaps, because I've not ever seen him be interviewed in that way before. I have a feeling, therefore, he keeps that side very private. All he can do is say, no, you ugly yeah. cross-dresser. And then, then we all move <laughs> on. <laughs> the thing is, would you really want him if he wasn't in character? He's a very uninteresting person as a man, isn't he? Well, they see that like a miserable old git. <laughs> they even say that about Rowan <laughs> Atkinson that as 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 a person when he's not Mr. Bean, he's an extremely uh, boring person. <laughs> well, look, I'm an extremely boring person. I'm sort of gravity. I have a quiet life, sitting at home, <laughs> yeah, reading just, my books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just sipping tea and doing cross stitch, darling. That's exactly how I think about Bunny. Won't go on a day off, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, listen to all three of you. I've had fun doing this, the bumper edition of Queen's Corner. It's been an up and down season. We've had these past 10 episodes. So everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed them. And I think that in season two, we will definitely hear from Lady Lloyd, from Bunny Glore and from Candy Heels again. So ladies, thank you for joining me here at The Vanity Project. Well, thank you so much, guys. Love you, Vanity. Later. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.